Hey, I am so excited about this message today. This is something I've been chewing on, and God has been speaking to me uh, really for, for quite some time, but especially these last two weeks. And so I want you to get in your Bible with me to the greatest sermon ever. That's not my message today. It's Jesus' greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Um, we're going to go there together. And, and I'm eager to talk about uh, uh, this message today. And we're actually going to use also Matthew chapter 5 to start a brand new series next week that you're invited to. And it's a good time to invite a friend to so that they can jump into something new with us called Serenity Now, and we're going to be talking about, hey, there's conflicts in life, there's adversity, there's, there's uh, drama that we all deal with, there's heaviness, but how many of y'all know we can find a peace that surpasses all understanding, even in the midst of the storms? And so the message is entitled Serenity Now, and I really want to encourage you to lean into this and invite a friend. There's so many family members and friends who are hurting and who need the, the, the life-giving message of Jesus to be a lift in their life. So I would love for you to do that and um, invite someone. Uh, welcome everybody who's online. We would love to have you in person as well. And let's jump in to the greatest message ever. Matthew chapter 5 starts the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're going to jump about uh, a fifth of the way into the message. It says in uh, verse 38, this is Jesus talking. And I need you to understand that when anytime you read the Sermon on the Mount, you need to realize that there were a lot of religious people in the time who thought they understood God, and they, if they didn't understand God, they thought, I'll go to a priest or rabbi, or I'll go to a, a, a high priest or someone, and I'll figure it out. But Jesus is about to redefine what it means to follow God. He is the son of God, and he's speaking, and he's redefining things. It was a radical message in his day, so much so that many people there would have been going, oh my goodness, this is new, this is fresh, and this is going to be a little difficult to do, and you might find that true even today. Matthew 5, starting in verse 38, it says, you have heard the laws that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Come on, I'm going to have rosy cheeks by the end of this message. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, someone say, not the floral shirt. If your floral shirt is taken from you, give them your coat too. And if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you only, though, if you only love those who love you... What reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. And if you are kind only to your friends, how different from anyone else are you? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. You know, I hear this message, and some of those things are going to sound so difficult contrary to popular belief or contrary to maybe even how mommy and daddy raised me 
But today I want to preach a message called The Second Mile. And I would encourage you, this is a good week to take notes. So you can use your smart devices to do the smartest thing, and that's to write down the message because it'll live in your life longer when you do that. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for your words that bring life. Bring understanding for us. Give us eyes to hear and ears, um, eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to understand what you're saying because your ways are higher than our ways. And we want to get more of you, less of us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone who agrees with that, say, the second mile. Second mile reminds me a little bit of a Boudreaux joke I once heard. In case you haven't been here very long, I'm a South Louisiana Cajun. I'm from the New Orleans and Baton Rouge area. And so are Boudreaux and Thibodeau, just two two simple men. They're not the smartest men in the world, but they're good men. They're good men. And... um, Boudreaux was on the levee one day. It's just a high hill that separates the bayou so that everything doesn't flood New Orleans, right? And, and uh, Boudreaux's up on the bayou one day, and he's flying in his pick em up truck. And I mean, he, he's just zipping up there. And, and Louisiana State Troopers saw him flying up there and turned on his sirens, turned on his lights, got up there on the levee and started chasing Boudreaux down. Now, Boudreaux saw him in his rearview mirror, and, and he heard, and so he just... He just sped up even more, and he's just, he's just flying, and, and so state troopers just, just cruising behind him, trying to stay with him. 20 miles up the road, st- the chase is still going. Boudreaux's feeling epic at this point until his gas runs out, and he comes to a halt, and the state trooper said, Boudreaux, I thought that was you. I recognize you picking him up, truck. And he said, what you doing running away from me like that, Boudreaux? And he said, well, officer, I didn't know it was you. You see, 10 years ago, my wife, she ran away with an officer, and when I saw the lights coming on, I thought you were trying to bring her back to me. Come on. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's sort of funny, right? My my prayer for you today, that doesn't have a lot to do with the message other than he went a distance, to. and and today we want to go to second mile, and my prayer for you is that your marriage is going to be so much better than Boudreaux's with the help of Jesus, and um, we just like to have fun here at Lift Church. I believe Jesus was contagiously uh, full of joy, and people wanted to be around him, so sometimes we just like to laugh here, but I want to get into this message here called the second mile, and we're going to go a distance, but we're going to go a distance in a better direction, and so if you take a notice, I believe when Jesus talks about the second mile, I believe there's many different applications for it. I believe he's saying multiple things with even just one sentence it's a potent sentence that we can dive into and we can dig into and we can study and we can uh, uh, meditate on and we can find out how it applies to our life and this morning I'm going to give you four things that I believe the second mile is pertaining to I believe the second mile is number one write this down relational I believe the second mile is relational If you love someone, so what? Even the pagans do that. That's the first mile. Loving someone doesn't differentiate you that much. Loving someone doesn't separate you that much. It is the second mile that differentiates your love as a Christian from any other love. See, you got to understand that when we are a follower of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, when we choose to follow the one 
who unconditionally loved you and I, even while we were still yet sinners. Let me put that in 2023 version. Even while we were jacked up and doing stupid, Jesus Christ still died because he loves us. And when you understand that he is a mercy giver, when you understand that he's a grace giver, when you understand that kind of love, then as followers of him, shouldn't some of that love get contagious and fall all over us? That we become a differentiated type of love than the type of love the world gives. See, the world says, as long as you're a star athlete, I love you. You get hurt, I don't have much time for you. As long as you have a bank account, I love you. If that were to go bankrupt, so does my love go bankrupt. As long as you're popular, as long as you could do something for me. Because human beings by nature, we all gravitate to ourselves. Every one of us has a bit of narcissism in us that if unchecked, we'll go back to taking care of me, myself, and my own. And so we think about our own stuff. We think about our own, uh, how to get ahead. And, and I believe when Jesus is saying, if you go the first mile and love people who love you, so what? Everybody does that. You should go the second mile in your relationships. And I think it should differentiate your relationships in two ways. It differentiates the love of a Christian. My hope is that you have someone in your life that you would say, I would not know love if it wasn't for this one person. Meaning, it's not the type of love everybody else just gives. It's a further than it should go kind of love. It's a unceasing kind of love. It's a never giving up on me even when I should be given up on kind of love. It's a love that, that continues on because that kind of love is a model of the love that we receive from our Father. I've often said, if you want to love your spouse better, fall more in love with the King, Jesus, because he's the lover of our soul. He is the author and the perfecter of love. So the closer I get to him, the more compelled I am to be a better lover, not only to my spouse, but anybody in my life, kids, friends, uh, 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 people I work with, whatever. And so we should be differentiated in our love. As Christians, if we're following the lover of everyone's soul, we should look a little bit different. Is your love stronger than the world's love? Is your love more persistent than the world's love? Is your love unconditional? Is it distinguishable? And, 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 and distinguishable? And, and, and I think that, come on, anybody know a wayward child or if you have a wayward child, I think it's one of the greatest witnessing things to say, I will not condone what you do, but there will always be a place for you to find a hug. There will always be a place for you to find a meal. I will not get behind everything you're doing, but there will always be a place where you will find love because I'm compelled to, because there was a time in my life where I was not deserving of the love of the Father, and yet he did not give up on me. Not only did he not give up on me, but he went to the cross for me. So I'm suffering a little bit, and, it, and you're inconveniencing me a little bit. But the love of the Father compels me to do it. It's distinguishable. It says, we didn't budget for your friends being here. But the love of the Father says, 
Bring them all in. Come on. It says, it, it, it just, it goes a second mile. When the, the first mile, the natural world says that's far enough, the second mile kicks in relationally. It differentiates the love of a Christian. It also differentiates the love given to those special in our lives. Should I give, if I give everybody else the first mile type of love, is that the type of love I should give my spouse? Say, hey, honey, baby, you, you special to me. But I love you just like everybody else. No, no, no. Here, here's, here's something that could uh, challenge marriages in the house. You want to improve your marriage? Don't stop at the first mile. Take it to the second mile. And you say, hey, I did the dishes. That was the first mile. We both signed up for that. But baby, I didn't just do the dishes. I dried them too. And I put them away. And I got a pot roast on tonight. I don't even know if you like pot roast. All of a sudden, she's going, she's going, I can't believe you did all that. You usually don't. And you go, uh-uh, baby, not in this house. You don't need to say that second part. Come on. Your man walk in and you go, hey, honey, welcome home. And you just go up and give him a hug and kiss. And he's thinking, wow, I don't normally get that. You usually, you don't need to say that second part. I'm just going second mile today. All right? And that second mile kind of love says this. I'm going to start going second mile even if you don't go second mile. Because first mile says, how far did you go? I'll meet you there. Second mile says, I challenge you to second mile. If you don't go there, that's okay because I've got a source inside me that's compelling me. He loves me unconditionally and so beyond what I deserve. So I'm going to just pour this out because you're not just my wife. You are a daughter of the Most High King. And if I believe you're a daughter of the Most High King, then I believe that I, you deserve everything. Come on, I'm going to serve you. And, and come on. And, and I think it should reciprocate. I think a, a marriage could be just a contest of who's viewing the other in the context of the kingdom. More than just, you forgot to do the grass today. <laughs> you spent that money. Now, I not only didn't spend that money, I used the rest of my allowance bringing you home a milkshake. I don't even know what gets your mojo working. All I know is verse 46 says, if you love, if you are kind to only those who love you, how are you different from anyone else? Everyone else is capable of first mile kindness. Everyone else is capable of first mile love. I call you to go to the second mile so that there's a differentiator. Number two. The second mile is not just relational, it's motivational. This bleeds over a little bit into the last one, but it's a leadership principle that inspires our work ethic. When everybody else is going the first mile, Jesus Christ tells me to go the second mile. Why? Because it's a differentiator. It magnetizes your faith. When everybody else says, where's the one mile marker? Come on. Is that the one mile marker? I'll go this far and then, excuse me, I won't go any farther until I get my paycheck. The other, the, the second mile motivation says, I know you're not paying for me, but if you're still here, I'm still here to serve you. Why? Because my God's in it with me too. My God loves me through everything too. Um, even when things get difficult and tough, he's there with me. I'm not just talking about work. It could be sport. It could be school. It could be relationships. It could be anything. It's really just a leadership principle. When I say I'm picking up five things off the ground and no more because y'all created this mess and not me, the second mile 
says, I can do this today. By the grace of God, I can, I can go the second mile today. When, when your neighbor always uh, leaves their grass high and you're cutting yours and you've got just a few more extra minutes, you say, second mile has me drive over there too. Come on, you don't have to owe me any gas money. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me time. Why? Because I'm, I, I'm just going the second mile because I want you to go, why? And I'll tell you why. Because there's someone who loved me and was gracious for me and merciful to me and, and giving and kind to me. And he did it for me and I just wanted, I felt like God was using me to just be able to tell you about what drives me. The source of life. Because we're all a little bit narcissistic. And when I was done my grass, I would have liked to go put on ESPN and watch the game. Or I would have liked to go watch the on-demand stuff that I've been recording, or I don't even record anymore. I just stream that junk, but I'm trying to binge the rest of this Netflix series as if it's going somewhere. But instead, God just called me to use my time to show you just a little bit of love, to go the second mile. It's, it inspires our work ethic. In fact, we often feel accomplished when we do everything required of us. But write this down. The second mile isn't about requirements. The second mile is above requirements. Come on. You, you, you showing up at 9 a.m., I'll be there at 8.45. Come on. You, you, you leaving at 5? I'll leave at 5. Uh, I mean, you leave at 5.15? I'll leave at 5.15 too. Come on. It, it's not about what is mine and protecting my own. It is about serving someone else. And it catches people's notice. It's not about just getting a job. That's the first mile. Everyone's got that. But, 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 but bringing our best at our job. It's not about showing up at church. That's first mile. That's basic requirement. But coming early to serve. It's not just about making money for myself. That's first mile. We all got to do that. But deciding to make extra money in ad to advance the Lord's kingdom and do what he wants to do with it. It's not about just texting a friend who's in the hospital. That's first mile kind of love. It's showing up to a friend in a hospital. That's going to second mile. It's not just praying for the lost. That's first mile kind of stuff. It's getting to know the lost by name and have them at your dinner table. That's going to second mile. Anybody else fired up with me? So I believe if we get a hold of this, so many people who are wandering and are lost and are wondering where they can find solutions and where can they find life, and all of a sudden you walk into their life. And when they're expecting you to hit the one-mile marker and go, that is enough, see you later, hope you have a better life, instead you're just like, how far are we going? You know, I thought you would have given up on me by now. No, 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 no. I have one who never gave up on me. And what I'd like to say to you is I've wanted to give up on you. Oh, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I've been just a little bit frustrated by you. I have a little less hair on my head because I've been doing one of these kinds of things. But I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going the second mile because Jesus said, carry it too. Carry it too. Somebody say, carry it too. The first mile says, that's good enough. The second mile says, we can do better. I want to uh, applaud so many of our dream teamers. They make this church a dream. And, and I could applaud so many of them, but... There's so many I could talk about. One I just want to highlight, and I'm not sure if she's in here or serving in kids right now, is Abby Mason. And if you've ever met Abby, she just goes above and beyond because 
She doesn't just take our elementary kids' curriculum and print it out and say, let's go. She elevates it. She personalizes it. She adds skits to it. She prays over it all week long. She comes in the middle of the week, and you see her setting up the room and doing kinds of things and reaching out to people all so that your children in elementary can have a personalized Salisbury experience with a God who loves them. And so many different dream teamers do something like that, but that is going the second mile. She could just say, I'm coming, I'm sitting, I'm praying, I'm giving, and I'm leaving. But she goes above and beyond, and so many of y'all already get this, and do you do it? And if our value of pursuing excellence compels us to go beyond what is required, we, we've got to do that. And you can join our team by joining, the, uh, signing up for our growth track. It starts next month. We have a fast track grow track, which means we take three weeks and combine it into one morning sitting. I would encourage you to go online and sign up for that and say, hey, I want to start making a difference with my life that's going to matter in heaven. Amen? All right, so there's two. The third one, the second mile isn't just relational and motivational. The third mile is evangelical. Now, that's a fancy Christian churchy word which just means reach people who are far from God. People who are lost and hurting and don't know God and don't have a peace that surpasses all understanding. The second mile compels me to get evangelical. I've got to tell them about Jesus. I've got to invite them to church. I've got to get one of those invite cards you print out every single series and carry it around because I've seen people wandering in Walmart and they need a little bit of hope. I've seen people hanging their heads on the ball field after they didn't have such a great game. And I've seen them, and, I, and I've seen people fighting with their spouse, and I want to help them find life. And so I got to get loud. I've got to get evangelical a little bit with my faith. In fact, the second mile is a kind of work that turns heads and magnetizes your faith. When you go the second mile, people start going, Where's that come from? That's not natural. That's unusual. What compels you to care this much? How come you haven't given up on me? And, and see, when Jesus shared the second mile philosophy, he was speaking about a law that was in the land that they already knew about. So let me give you a little bit of history in the first century. Jerusalem was a land given to the Israelites by God. But they messed that up in their disobedience, and so the Romans came in and occupied it at the time that Jesus lived there, okay? So it's Roman-occupied. Caesar is king, according to everybody else at that time. And so Caesar edicts a law that I'm going to have Roman militia everywhere, and he doesn't like Jerusalem very much. He doesn't like Israel very much. It's problematic because there's these weird kind of people who choose to follow a different king, follow the Most High God more than they follow me, and it irritates him. So he's got a strong military presence in that area. Legions and, and militia and commanders and all kinds of military there. And so he edicts a law every Jew would have known, and that is this. Any Roman soldier can walk up to you and say, my bag is heavy carry it a mile. You are under law and obligation to carry it one mile. So when you were in Israel at that time, you would actually see one mile stick markers 
leading into Jerusalem and out of Jerusalem. Why? Because we all like to know how many miles until we get there so we can tell our kids, it's only three more miles. Carry, pipe down back there on the donkey. No, 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 no. Some of y'all didn't find it as funny as I thought. <laughs> Help a brother out. Okay. The donkey's funny. Come on. Okay. And it was instead so that if you were Jew and you were asked to carry it one mile, you could go, okay, I, I, I had a grocery list. I got kids at home that are hungry. I'm trying to feed them all, but I'll carry it one mile, and here you go. That's as far as I'm going. Now, you do your thing. I don't like you very much, and I'm going to go do my thing. Jesus said, when you get to the one-mile marker, you just keep going. The officer will innately do this. He'll walk with you, and then he'll, he'll stop, even though he's leading you. He'll stop at the one-mile marker going, I know you've fulfilled your obligation. You will leave his jaw dropped when you walk right past him and go, how far are we going today? I, I'm sorry, you fulfilled your obligation. Where are you going? He'll start chasing you. <laughs> how far are we going? Get out my bag back. Where, where are we going? Mo most people don't act like this. Most people spit at us. Most people cuss at us. Most people call us names. I'm just a human being under a command too. I didn't ask to be born under Roman rule. I'm just trying to make a paycheck too. But naturally you hate me and I'm trying to stay alive and I'm trying to keep y'all alive. So I understand that we hit the one mile marker. Give me my bag back and you're saying, I don't care. I'm going to carry it as far as you want to go today, as far as two miles. Why? Because it's a motivational, it's a, it's a magnetism of your faith. You've got to ask as your jaws drop, why? Everybody else stopped. Everybody else gave up on me. Everybody else hates me. Why are you not only approving of me, but loving on me to make my load lighter? I'm glad you asked why. Because I have a person in my life who took the weight of sin off of my life. And if I got to carry your Easton baseball bat bag, you don't need six bats to play this baseball game. You just need one. But if I got to carry your bag with me and your smelly clothes with me another two weeks and wash them for you, I'm happy to do that. Why? Because I just want you to know what motivates me to do it. The opportunity to tell you about a love that has so well loved me that it is my joy to carry your bags two miles. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Jesus was teaching the whatever it takes witnessing principle. Whatever it takes. And I think we need some of that today too where we don't just go, that would be inconvenient. I don't have enough time for that. I don't have enough budget for that. I don't know about that. They did me wrong before. They probably deserve it. They probably made bad choices. The second mile says, I didn't ask about all that. How far are we going today? How can I serve you today? It is inconvenient for my budget. It is inconvenient for my time. It is inconvenient, but you are welcome. And it's so that my faith gets attractive and gets on you a little bit. So, so I, I want to step on some toes just a little bit long enough to say if you haven't reached someone in a while you should probably check your second mile tracker because God saved you out of a pit of sin and condemnation if you've given your life to him we were deserving of hell and if he saved us we cannot 
be okay with the person next to us heading down the same road we were to hell and us not choose to drive past the first mile every once in a while and regularly start visiting the second mile. So we gotta check it because oftentimes we'll go, I went as far as it served me best. <laughs> what is the minimum I could do to survive? What is the minimum I could do to keep my job? What is the minimum I could do to stay married? Second mile says, forget the minimum requirements. How far are we going, baby? Come on, because Jesus compels. And so one of the things we'd love for you to do is help us invite people to our grand opening on September 10th where we're going to pull out every stop we possibly can so that your loved ones will get to know Jesus Christ, the greatest lift in life. And we're going to make the message so very clear that, that uh, Jesus is our Lord and Savior and that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. And all I'm asking you to do is to invite people to our grand opening and they'll think it's all about uh, uh, food in the parking lot and fun things for the kids, but it's really about people's souls. And so I think that's a wise investment. Can I get an amen? amen. And then finally... The second mile is not just relational, motivational, and evangelical. It's spiritual, too. And uh, my daughter's going to join me. My daughter's on piano today. I shouldn't have shouted you out like that because now you feel all weird and you're going to say no next time. I know. I know that's how it works in our house. I don't know about any other daddies who got daughters. But anyway, Dad, why you had to do that? Okay, anyway. Come on. How many of you thought she did great today? <laughs> I didn't do that in the first experience, though. And she's like, I ain't coming out. I know, I know. <laughs> it's not just relational. It's not just motivational. It's not just evangelical. But this is the most important one. It's spiritual. The second mile is spiritual. In fact, if you don't get that it's spiritual, you will not do the first three very well at all. You'll have small spurts of momentum where, hey, I got it right relationally. Oh, yeah, come on. And then it fades. Or, hey, I invited someone to church. It got evangelical and it fades. Or, hey, I'm trying to be my best everywhere and it fades. You have got to get this fourth one because it drives all the rest of them. In fact, write this down. The first mile is natural. Jesus said this way, pagans and tax collectors do that natural the second mile has to be spiritual because nobody's doing that and behold I put a new spirit in you that that at the first mile marker wouldn't just say done my obligation but instead would have a spiritual compulsion inside you that says my flesh doesn't want to my flesh is weak but my spirit is strong. And my spirit says, let's go on. My spirit says, how can I serve? My spirit says, is there anything else? My spirit says, we can do better. My spirit says, I care. Past when everybody else has given up and stopped caring. I'm slapped on one cheek. That's natural. But to turn the other cheek, that's spiritual. And you're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. To be lawfully having to carry Roman gear one mile, that's natural. You're obligated to do it. But to choose to do it a second mile, that's something deep and spiritual. Come on. Loving the ones who love you is natural. But loving your enemies is not natural. That's where you're going to need the spiritual to kick in. Are you hearing me today? You're not going to be able to do any of the three quarters of the 
the first three quarters of this message unless you start learning tap into the greatest life source there is the power of our living God our triune God the Holy Spirit is an ever present help in time of need that when my flesh says heck no my spirit says we can do this because it was done for you because it might lead one more person to find an eternity in heaven instead of suffering in hell let's do this my spirit rise up and the more and more you follow Jesus you'll find the more and more I listen to my spirit and I silence my flesh and when my flesh says no, no, don't do that, no don't invite a vote, no, save money, no don't give, no, no, don't give your time no, no, keep all for yourself, no you deserve, you deserve your time to yourself you deserve relaxation, you deserve it your spirit starts going, invite them do this, sell things <laughs> go be with them, <laughs> give away your time, mentor, and you're just like, what? then your flesh says I'm inadequate I'm weak I'm not good enough I don't have enough how would I even make an impact I won't even move the needle and your spirit's just going I never asked you to I just asked you to do be obedient to this because it will move the needle because I do infinitely above more than you can ask or imagine come on you live by the feet somebody's told you the seashell one why you throwing these why you throwing these back does it matter for this one God knows how to take that and then multiply it. Because it doesn't just matter to this one, but then this one starts doing for everybody else, and it just starts taking off. So someone say, second mile. Zechariah 4, verse 6 says, It is not by force. It is not by strength. That's first mile. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. He says, know this morning I want to pray for you because I believe that God wants to release some of the things he's always spoken of I had a scripture here I don't have time for where Jesus said you're going to cast out demons in my name you're going to speak in new languages you're going to handle snakes with safety you're going to drink anything poisonous and it won't hurt you you're going to place your hands on the sick and they will be healed and you say how that's supernatural those things don't happen and God says by my spirit supernaturally these things are going to happen because we're not just going to medicate demons we're going to cast out demons we're not just going to speak powerfully by speaking powerfully in a english language we're going to speak powerfully powerfully in a heavenly language that moves mountains we're not just going to avoid venomous enemies but we're going to be able to handle venomous enemies that others run from with authority and with safety and using it evangelically can i get an amen What I'm trying to say is, God's trying to tell you to go to the second mile. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for you today. Father, I know that you are compelling us in individual ways, personal ways, ways to go the second mile. First, we want to repent when we stopped at the first mile and said, it's my right to stop. I've done enough. Our own self-preservation, our own flesh seems to try to work against what you're trying to do in the kingdom but i thank you that you gave us a spirit to help us overcome 
So, Father, we repent and we thank you that you've forgiven us of those and we, you hold, us against, hold them against us no longer. But, Father, help us not stop at the first mile peg, but help us to be second mile type Christians. That we would take up your word and we would truly live it out. That we would go above and beyond and that we would get to use our life's example to tell people about Jesus' life example and what he did for them. And so, Father, I pray that you use people to reach lost people. I pray you use people to heal broken people. I pray you use your people to restore faith in other people. God, where people are wandering around and hurt, bound up, I pray you release the captive in Jesus' name. And use our second mile as an example and witnessing tool in Jesus' name. If you'll receive that, say amen. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I just want to speak to a few people who, you've gone the first mile with Jesus, but you've never gone the second mile. You've never gone all in before. Or maybe you have, and it's been a while, and you know, I retreated back to first mile. I retreated back to bare minimum. I retreated to, how can I get to heaven, and that's all I'm going to do. I, it's really thinking about self and not thinking about him. And see, when Jesus hung on the cross, he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about you. And so I applaud you because if you're here under the sound of my voice or you stopped online and you're listening in, you're already curious and you're already engaged and, and, and you're already leaning in. But, but that's first mile. I'm asking some people to go to the second mile today where you say, it's not going to be about bare minimums. It's not going to be about you can have some, but not everything. I'm going all in today. And so whether it's your first time or the first time in a long time, I'm going to ask you with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to call you forward. I will not embarrass you, but I don't want you to be embarrassed to say before God, I hear your word loud and clear. The conviction, I'm going to respond to that by saying I'm all in, and I'm going to start trying to be a second mile person with the help of your powerful Holy Spirit. If that's you, just throw your hand in the air, and you can put it right back down. Thank you. Yes, yes, hands everywhere. Thank you. Up front, in back, yes, to the right. Thank you, thank you. I see hands everywhere. Now, look at me, church. You can't do this in the natural. It has to be the Spirit of God living inside of you. He will compel you to do all things that way, and so lean into Him. So I'm going to lead us into a prayer, and especially for everyone who just raised their hand, I'm going to ask you to mean every single word. That you, that, that you repeat after me. And the whole church is going to pray along with you. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner and I've screwed up many times. I say I'm sorry today. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And when he died on that cross, he died to forgive even me. So I am forgiven today. Thank you that you've wiped all the past away. I am a new creation because of what you've done. Now help me use this fresh start to, to serve you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. Come on, can y'all make it loud for everybody?